0: And Just crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point, I, I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running
1: now, and the opinion of this reporter, if this
0: nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. exciting episode of the Fire and Water Podcast, the official podcast of shrine.net and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irritable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the screeching Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy? I am cold. I bet you are. It <laughs> is. I, I don't think down in Florida, I don't think we got above 40 degrees to today, actually, where I am. Uh, most of the time was spent in the twenties.
1: Yeah. This, this, this is that time of year where like, I have no sense memory of what it's like to be warm. So, and I, <laughs> I feel like I will never see the summer again. I mean, of course I will, but right in like yesterday, I think the high here was like nine. So, oh and we got buried in snow and I just, my body is just trying to just tighten up into a little ball. <laughs>
0: That is absolutely insane. Well, speaking of cold, I seem to have caught Rob's cold across the internets from last week. You should not have sneezed on the microphone. I wish you hadn't. Um, so, folks, i got to apologize in advance. I'm a bit of a wreck. I'm going to try and hold it together here. Between the antihistamines and the decongestants and the Tylenol, I might just make it. <laughs> uh, on that lovely note, let's thank our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> Good segue. This episode of the Firewater Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 45% off, with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Uh, what you got, Rob? Uh, I've been
1: watching, all, like, the last couple of weeks, uh, Darrell and Tracy and I have been watching old episodes of China Beach, the ABC drama about uh, Vietnam, which aired from 89 to 92. That was a really, really good show, kind of like ahead of its time and it uh, made me think about uh, some other stuff that i might have read and and one of the things that that occurred to me was marvel's series the nam which was, uh, you know, a war book about Vietnam, and it was not, you know, like a Sergeant Rock war book. It was a more realistic version of view of of that war. Um, the Insight Trades has the first trade paperback, "The Nam, Volume One." It says, "Don't worry about choosing sides, because this far into the heart of darkness, things get pretty gray." Follow Private Ed Marks and his fellow soldiers to a jungle of blood, lies, betrayal, and valor. It's the war that defined a generation, where the heroes may not be super, but they're all too human. This book collects uh, the Nam numbers one to ten, written by Doug Murray, artist Michael Golden. Can't beat it, Michael Golden. Two hundred forty-eight pages, full color. Uh, normal price is twenty-nine ninety-nine. Instruct Trades has it for forty-five percent off at sixteen dollars and forty-nine cents. And I bought the Nam for the first several years, and the first. I'd say about two years worth of absolute impeccable stuff, and, and Michael Golden at the top of his game. So, if you like, uh, you know, a sort of comic book version of of a of, of, of view of the war, give this a shot. It was a really unique thing that Marvel tried.
0: You, you got to plug Tom.
1: Yes, Tom Panneries, uh has a uh, podcast all about the name, doing it I think issue by issue or something like that. Um, I have not listened to it yet because I want to reread these Nam books again and then sort of follow along. But uh, if you're a fan of that series, you should try that podcast out.
0: And if Michael Bailey was here, he would tell you that Dana Delaney was in China Beach and then did the voice of Lois yeah, Lane. Of it's she, Series.
1: She would have been a great live-action Lois Lane.
0: Well, that's just his weird superpower to be able to name any show and identify it as Superman. So. <laughs> uh, I'm going to mention two books that came out of IDW. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Whoops, boom. Sorry, uh, came out of boom. Called heroes. One's called Hero Squared, Volume One. The other one's called Planetary Brigade, Volume One. These are by Keith Giffen and JM Dematteis. Uh, Hero Squared was drawn by Joe Abram, It's a 128-page thing. It started off as a one-shot, and it was kind of a story where it's it's you know it's the guys who did Justice League International the writer, so it's got a funny funny bent to it. And the and the idea is there's this schlum of a guy, basically you know one of us, and his his self, in a parallel world, is their iconic superhero, like Superman. Well, he comes to our world, and it's a lot of... It starts off as a little bit of an odd couple of the same guy from two parallel worlds having to get along, but then villains start coming over, and the wacky hijinks ensue. So it starts off as a one-shot, then it became a miniseries. It's great. Joe Abrams is a great artist. This, this uh, trade's got all kinds of back matter and stuff like that. 128 pages. Normally goes for $14.99. You can get it for $9.29, so that's 38% off. Planetary Brigade was a spin off, which is about the, the, the superhero guy. His name's Captain Valor. Captain Valor's guys on the alternate world. Uh, super fun stuff. Again, same writing team, Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMant- DeMantis, uh, Various different artists. Again, 128 pages. Normally goes $14.99, get it for $9.29, 38% off. If you love Justice League International and you miss Justice League International, these are the books for you, folks Hero Squared and Planetary Brigade. Fun, fun stuff.
1: I've, so, li- I've literally never heard of either of those series. Really? Yeah, it yeah. came out of boom.
0: It came out of boom <laughs> and uh, they were, I, I thought it was going to become an ongoing, but I, it obviously didn't go that far. But it's super fun. Super fun. So I can't oh. I can't stress it enough. So uh, again, our thanks to uh, In Stock Trades, uh, your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to forty five percent off with f- free shipping for orders of fifty dollars or more. Sweet. So speaking of Giffen and Matisse look at that. That's what we call a mm-hmm. Um I wanted to talk about a particular comic book that's on the market right now called Justice League Three Thousand. Now. For those of you who are reaching to hit that fast forward button, don't do it. Just wait. Hear me out. I, I, I personally had no interest in this book when it was advertised. I was like, oh, Given and Damantis and Howard Porter on, you know, on art. I was like, cool group, not in, or cool creators, not interested in the team. Had no interest in collecting this book. It looks a lot, it, on the surface, it looked a lot like uh, what, was it, what was it called? DC 1 million. You know, oh, yeah. Ooh, which, yeah. which is a blah to me. So I, I had no interest. And I'm like, I don't need another Justice League title. No, thank you. I, you know, whatever. So I shied away from this book. Issues one and two have come out. Then they solicit issue number five, and bam, dead <laughs> square in the middle of the cover is Firestorm. They've come up with Firestorm 3000, I guess is what you'd call them, and uh, Firestorm 3000 SL. But anyway, and I was like, oh, no. Okay, so I guess I'm in. So I went out and picked up number one and two just to give them a shot. Again, not expecting much. These were fun comics, man. I really dug this. It really caught me by surprise. I expected some, you know, boring JLA riff with some future stuff. This is this is Keith Giffen built doing some really cool world building. Like if you've ever read any of his sci- sci-fi stuff, and and Diablo Frank was kind enough a while back to to point out that sometimes Giffen is real hit and sometimes he's real miss. This feels a lot more like real hit. Um, Really good sci-fi world building. Really interesting stuff. Now, I will say... I'll come back to the Justice League the members themselves. I'll come back to them. I'm sorry. Anyway, very cool world building. Um, It takes place, obviously, in the year 3000. It's another... Basically, the five Justice Leaguers are alive and kicking a bunch of ass in the future, but they're different somehow. And as you read the issue... Forgive me, there's a little bit of spoilers in here, but it's all revealed in the first issue. They are either... Clones of the original Justice League, um, done by Cadmus, or they are the original Justice League brought back to life. You're not really clear either way, uh, and I'm sure I'm not selling this well because that sales pitch didn't work on me either. I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't, oh, I don't want. Well, that sounds like crap. But as you read it, it's really interesting, and here's where it's where I think there's, I think there, I think we're heading for a big, oh. Huh? Moment is what's going on. I don't think anything we've told they've told us is true about the Justice League yet. I don't think they're clones, and I don't think they're the original Leaguers. I think they're going to be something else entirely because they revealed too much early on. But the personalities is what where we need to talk about. Like Superman is a total dick, complete and utter dick. He's like uh, the, it's like how Guy Gardner used to be in the old Justice League International. <laughs> okay, films. I mean he's that bad. Batman is always up in Superman's face. That's all they do is fight. Green Lantern doesn't have his ring anymore. He has this cape that does somewhat similar abilities. Flash is sort of the, the only v- nice guy on the team. Um, and he's, his powers are a little... All their powers are wonky. None of their powers are working exactly like they should. And Wonder Woman is just so savage warrior. She, that's all she can do is fight. So anyway, it leads you to Wonder. Their personalities are different. Their memories are very spotty. Like, like Superman refuses to be called Clark Kent. He's like, no, I'm Superman, not Clark Kent. And um, and so it leads you to go, like, something's not right here. And, and, you know, and you don't know where it is, and it creates a mystery. And I really liked that. There's been a long time since I read a comic that made me think and go, I wonder what's going on here behind the scenes. What's this mystery about? So I got into it. The, the, the downside of the book is there's no real, other than Flash and maybe Green Lantern, there's no real likable characters in the series. That's the only downside to it is there's no one in this book you're going to root for. Uh, and before you ask it which Flash it is, they actually call him Barry, they call Green Lantern Hal, um, they call Superman Clark, they call Batman Bruce, and they call Wonder Woman Diana. So it's supposed to be the main 5 JLAers.
1: Uh The main five, huh?
0: <laughs> I think I have an answer for what you're thinking, okay? <laughs> which is why there's Aquaman, right? I know. And Cyborg. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah, exactly. Sorry, Frank, that was a joke. Um, okay. So now we're going to get into what, I, what my speculation is, okay? I think that this is actually a stealth Legion of Superheroes book. I, I put this out there on Facebook and, ask, and and I've been having some conversations with uh, Bob Fisher, Lucas Garrett, Adam, Th- <coughs> Adam Thibault, Hartley Holmberg, and Chad Bokelman, and they don't all necessarily agree with me, but we had this nice conversation going on about what could be going on. So here's some of the facts. All right, the story is set in the 31st century, same time period as the Legion of Superheroes. In fact, they've name-checked two Legion of Superheroes things, one is a prison planet, another is a character called Persuader. So the Legion is sort of like in the background here. If anything, this is about five to ten years after the Legion. Um, we talked about what the members are. And also, this book came out shortly after the Legion book was canceled. Right. So there's no Legion on the shelf. Keith Giffen has a long tenure with the Legion. Hmm. Sort of makes your rubber chin a bit there, right? Um, as I mentioned, now here's where we get into some assumptions. As I mentioned, none of the characters are really, very likable, other than Flash and Green Lantern. That has to change. I mean, in order for this book to continue to sell and uh, to get the readers, there's going to have to be some sort of change. Also, they revealed a lot of the origins early on, which, again, makes me think they're heading for a big surprise of some sort. Uh, given Keith Giffen, you know, it, it seems logical that sooner or later some Legion elements have got to come in. Like I said, there's already been two. Even though in interviews he has said over and over and over and over he has no intention of bringing in the Legion in this series. He said that. I think he's lying. <laughs> because if he, if he didn't want to bring the Legion in, why not just make it Justice League 4,000, Justice League 5,000? Why set it in the exact same time period as the Legion?
1: Hmm. Uh,
0: now, Hartley Holmberg, rightly so, said that Keith Given doesn't lie to his audience. In 20 years, he has never misled the audience, so I could be way off base. I usually am, folks. I'm usually way off base. But here's, here's what I think is going on. I think... I don't think these Justice Leaguers are clones. I think they are genetically altered people who formerly had lives of their own and have been brainwashed. I think that these are either former Legion of Superheroes that have been changed or Legion of Superheroes villains that have been changed. Um, If you ever watched Transformers Beast Wars or Transformers Beast Machines, I'm talking about like what happened to Rhinox. And two people in the audience go, oh. You are completely off the track now. (laughs) Anyway, I think that if if there's Legionnaires, I think Superman used to be Ultra Boy because this Superman, he's missing a bunch of powers. He can't fly. He doesn't have his heat vision. Ultra Boy had this thing where he could only use one power at a time. So if he keeps using his super strength and isn't, quote, unquote, turning it off, that might explain why he can't access flight or heat vision. Um, Batman could... What's that? This is incredibly detailed speculation. (laughs) I know. know. I've really been thinking about this. (laughs) Apparently so. so.
1: You ask me every month, what's going to happen in Aquaman? I'm like, "Uh, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. This comic got me thinking. That was so exciting for me. So anyway, Batman could be Brainiac 5. He's a genius tactician. No powers. Flash could be Lightning Lad because this Flash has red hair, so Lightning Land did. Lightning is always associated with the Flash. Green Lantern, maybe Cosmic Boy because he's got a long, strong willpower. Wonder Woman... I don't know. It could be anybody. Um, I don't have anything on that. Uh, Firestorm it could be Wildfire or Sunboy. So it's probably crazy, but it's, I just, it all seemed to fall in place in my head. Then again, keep in mind I'm addled by all the medicine I'm taking right now. And the bad guys are these mysterious group of people called the Five that we don't know much about. It seems logical that that could be connected to the Fatal Five. You know. So I, I think we're heading towards this being a Legion book. Um, there's some strong arguments for why it's not, but I don't know. I, I think it'd be, I'm not saying this would become a Legion book, but it maybe maybe these guys discover, you know, Ultra Boy Superman now or something, right? And he decides to start living up to the Superman name. So it stays the Justice League because they know they can, DC knows they can sell Justice League better. They can sell Legion, but it would remain in the Justice League era. So I don't know a lot of thought either way. Issue number five, Firestorm hits the scene. I recommend you guys try this. Again, not a series I was interested in. Read the first two issues. I'm in, man. I'm digging it. It's totally a cool sci-fi book. Your lengthy
1: summary makes me want to read it just to see how far off I'm sure you are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure I probably am. Okay. Uh, that was a lot. Sorry. I'm kind of excited. What do you got? Uh, well, yeah. The, the news broke on uh, Newsrama a couple of days ago that they,
1: uh, f- the teaser image uh, that is running at the end of Justice League War – Mm. Uh, is of Ocean Master and uh, carrying what looks like – I think the dialogue is something about this is our father or something like that. So the, the hint is that that is, of course, the Aquaman animated movie that Jeff John said that DC was going – DC slash Warner Brothers was going to do. Um, now, they posted that image and, and DC refuses and Warner Brothers refuses to give any other information beyond that. Uh, I don't know why they're necessarily being so cheeky uh, when Jeff Johns himself said we're doing a live-action – a, a animated solo Aquaman movie. So maybe DC has changed its mind and it's going to be folded into like a Throne of Atlantis thing where it's Justice League story featuring Aquaman.
0: That's, that's what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, after promising there's going to be a solo Aquaman movie and then not to deliver one – uh, I mean, you know, you'd get Aquaman fans pretty angry, but ultimately that doesn't mean anything, because we're all used to being angry, so we'll just sit around and do nothing, so, you know.
0: Look at it It's a bunch of angry, wet nerds!
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> we'll, just, we'll, we'll just be like, oh yeah, defeated once again. Uh, I mean, it's... The the, the the fact that, that Aquaman was so unceremoniously dumped from Justice League War is sort of still really stinging, and I think the way they make up for that is if you gave him a solo movie, but... I don't know. They seem like they're hedging their bets a little bit now because you would just think did they would say, "Yeah, this is from Aquaman.
0: Like, here you go." You know. But did that, they, they ever say? Did. did they ever say it was going to be an Aquaman solo movie, or they're doing an Aquaman movie? I don't remember exactly Jeff Johns
1: Jeff Johns's tweet, but the tweet was pretty, I think, indisputably saying we're doing an Aquaman animated movie. I mean, I, I, you know, I mean, you can parse that as much as you want, but when you, if somebody says we're doing an Aquaman animated movie, what does that mean? It means you're doing an Aquaman animated movie. You're not doing a Justice League movie with Aquaman in it. You're doing okay. an Aquaman animated movie. I mean, how specific can somebody be in 140 right. characters? Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I don't know. But that's the teaser image. Somebody on the shrine gave me a bunch of crap. They're like, "Hey man, spoiler alert!" I'm like, "The thing was on Newsarama for Pete's sakes." So like, what? You, like, jeez. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what's happening with that. Um, and then re- related animated news: uh, We talked on the show last week about the JLA Trapped in Time movie that yeah. Target's put out. Uh, I got an early review from Nuclear Sub Kyle Benning, who gave it Ooh. who gave it pretty high thumbs up. He said it was a lot of fun. He gave me a little bit of a breakdown. I won't get into it in case anybody, you know, is going to see it. I won't tell you what, anything about the plot. But uh, no, he he gave it pretty high marks, so uh, I do want to go out and get it at, at some point. And he said Aquaman does get some nice things to do, and so does Black Manta. So uh, cool. yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and he he bought it. I think he said he got it at Target for like twelve ninety nine. So that's a pretty decent. It's not under ten bucks, but twelve ninety nine is pretty good.
0: I uh, ba- was it Bailey? Somebody sent me a link uh, with an interview with the director. oh, the director, yeah. And he kind of talked a little more about it and how it's sort of his version of the Super Friends and stuff like that. Right. And um, I dug it. It, it. it sounded pretty cool. He, named, he sort of name-checked like one of my favorite Super Friends episodes and stuff. And so I, I was kind of compelled. I'm, I'm halfway tempted to go pick it up myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And I've seen the sleeve and stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, it's. Uh, we're going to be posting some reviews on the Shrine once we get them in. But, uh, like I said, Kyle was the first to, to, to give it uh, high praise. So, you know, who knows? Maybe it's actually pretty good.
0: Thank you, Kyle. Much appreciated. Absolutely. All right, folks, uh, the rest of this episode is dedicated to you. Yes, you sitting there with your iPhone or your Zoom or your whatever you're listening on. Uh, We are going to jump into a ton of listener feedback in just a second. After After these messages, we'll be right back.
1: Why do you think superheroes are so important? People need heroes because they need somebody to inspire them, something to aim for, somebody to try to be like. One is the man of tomorrow, with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. The other, the caped crusader carrying out a solemn vow to spend his life warring on all criminals. For seven decades, they've been the world's finest heroes. They've teamed on radio, comics, newspapers, animation, and more. And now, they're teaming up for a podcast.
0: To the Batmobile. Let's go. Up, up, and away. Atomic
1: Superman and Batman celebrates more than 70 years of the world's finest team with randomly chosen stories featuring the Man of Steel and the Dark Knight. Superman and Batman, featuring your two favorite heroes in one podcast together. Find it today at GreatKrypton.com.
0: I'm Mike Gillis. And I'm Casey Doran. And we host a podcast called Radio Versus the Martians. We invite a rotating panel of our friends over to talk about science fiction, comic books, movies, horror, animation, professional wrestling, video games, and George fucking Lucas. It's a warts and all look at popular geek culture where we tip sacred cows and use profanity while arguing about children's entertainment. Think of it as the McLaughlin Group for nerds. Find us online at radioversustheMartians.com.
1: The Vietnam War, a conflict that changed America. Of those who served, many came back irrevocably changed, while many did not come back at all. This is their story. Marvel Comics presents The NOM. Join me, Tom Panneris, for In Country, a podcast that covers Marvel Comics series The NOM. Each episode, I will recap and review one issue of the series, as well as provide historical context that's important to understanding the events behind the story. Along the way, I will also take a look at the movies, music, and literature surrounding the Vietnam War. New episodes are posted every two weeks at incountry.potomatic.com. You can find show notes and other media at popcultureaffidavit.com.
0: All right, folks, we're back from break, and now it's time for Listener's Listeners Feedback. And as you'd expect, there is a a ton of feedback. You guys are phenomenal. I say it all the time. You're probably tired of hearing it. I don't care. You're going to hear it again, and you're going to like it. You are the single best podcast listening community on the planet. So we're going to run through a lot of your feedback today, a couple different things. A few episodes ago, we asked you guys to pimp yourselves. We're constantly talking about our show and our sites and stuff like that. We asked you guys to na- to tell us about what you do. So as we go through here, we're going to be mentioning a lot of people's websites and places that they um, promote themselves and whatever. So as- you'll hear a lot of that. Um, gosh, there was something else I was going to say. About- oh, uh, please, as you're on the internets, on the interwebs, the tubes, please use the hashtag #FWpodcast. Uh, again, that's a little hash sign. It's on your phone. You might have seen it. It looks like a little tic-tac-toe box. FW Podcast. We, uh, it makes it a lot easier to find your comments. And Facebook and Google Plus and Twitter and um, Instagram, all those use those hashtags. Tumblr, all of them do. And so it would be uh, useful and able to us allow you guys to blah, 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 blah. That would be the cold medicine, folks. It's amazing stuff. That would allow you guys to find each other and communicate even more. There we go. Rob, you're up. up.
1: All right. We start off with Michael Campochiaro. Well done. Thank you. Uh, he says, hey, Shag and Rob, this is my first letter to the Fire and Water Podcast, so please forgive me if I ramble a bit, but I've been listening
0: for months and have
1: lots to share.
0: Uh, he went on to say, "I discovered your podcast sometime in early to mid 2013. It was a rough time for me, and finding your podcast became a shining ray of hope in an otherwise bleak sea of disaster." So, along the lines of Shag's plea to find your joy, I have found mine with your podcast and a re-immersion into the world of comics. Uh, he goes on to share his origin story. He says, "I started reading comics as a little kid in the 80s when my folks picked me up from the local convenience store, probably after our... Uh, I'm sorry." Picked them up for him at the local convenience store, probably after he begged a lot, of course. Once I discovered the local comic shop a few years later, my life was never the same. I collected religiously through the 80s and into the 90s when I sort of fell away from comics. I returned to them over the past decade and over the past several years, I've really gone back to my collecting habits of the old days. I buy a few series regularly now. Daredevil, Batman 66, and FF, go, back, go to back issue bins diving regularly, read old and new trade collections often, and visit my current town's local comic shop at least once a month. I found that the joy, of comic bring me, the joy comics bring to my life is immeasurable, so I'm riding the wave again. I've loved going back and rereading old runs from my long boxes, along with buying loads of back issues of old series that I wasn't into at the time or just missed out, like Fury of Firestorm.
1: Uh, yeah, he, and he, he gives us a lot more detail, which is really good stuff. And then he says, so that about sums up my first letter. I'll try and write more at a future date. I love the podcast, guys, so keep up the good work. As I said earlier, 2013 was a rough year. Lots of family-related health crises to deal with, but there were times when I found myself laughing along with your podcast harder than I had in ages at most anything. You guys really helped me find my joy this past year, and for that, I'm extremely grateful. I'm looking forward to more great comics in 2014, both old and new, of course. And I wish you both the best of the new year. Fan of the Flaming Rider Wave. Best Misses, Mike C. Thank you very much, Mike. That's a, that was a great letter.
0: Really appreciate that. We've got another first-time writer, Michael Peacock. He wrote in to say, uh, this is my first time riding to Fire and Water, and if need be, I'll pass through the paddle gauntlet to provide you two of my two cents. <laughs> Thank you, sir.
1: May I have another?
0: <laughs> uh, he gives us quite a bit, but uh, in the interest of time, I'm just going to hit a few points. He says, for the Aquaman side of things, I am by no means an Aqu- or Arthur Curry hater. Throughout my life, though, I've tended to view Aquaman as more of an effect team character than a solo character. But Rob has given me good cause to explore some of his solo adventures.
1: My work and here he is t- done.
0: <laughs> he goes on to talk about Firestorm. This is great. This is a little sneak preview for the next issue of Fury of Firestorm we're going to cover. He says a funny bit of coincidental timing though took place uh, when I went on a trip with my girlfriend to Niagara Falls this past September. Being a good road traveler, I did bring some reading material, and one of the Fury of Firestorm issues that made the trip included the debut of Quebecy's start. I think that's how you say Quebecy's, like someone from Quebec. Superstar, or villain, and it's Plastique. Sure, I had to endure some eye-rolling when, when I tied the events together in serendipity from the lady of my life, but it was fun nonetheless. <laughs> Mike, we've all been laughed at by our significant others when we try to explain something in comics. It happened to me yesterday. I was talking to my wife, and she asked, well, what's that about? I said, do you really want to know? She's like, no, I don't think so. I'm like, exactly. You know, to
1: be fair to you, you took your wife to a Barry Manilow concert. I don't think she has any room to really make fun of
0: I did take my wife to a barry mail. I, I should get husband of the year for that. <laughs> You're up. Mark Sweeney. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: Yes, uh, we got an email from Mark Sweeney. Uh, he sent us his uh, link to his Tumblr, which is htp, blah, 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 messengerattack.tumblr.com. He's commenting on the uh, – when we talked about the Filipino invasion in episode 72, Unsung Heroes – he says, uh, I never put it together that there was a Filipino invasion. You learn something new every cast. Anyway, I recently acquired the entire seven-issue run of Rima the Jungle Girl, which features the artwork of Nestor Redondo, one of the quote-unquote invaders. I really dug the Cupid covers, but the Redondo interiors blew me away. Gorgeous. Interestingly, the backup feature Space Voyagers was drawn by another quote-unquote invader, Alex Nino. Anyone who doesn't have these, I strongly suggest picking them up. That is true. Rima the Jungle Girl was a really Beautiful book that DC did. I don't remember much from the stories, but, boy, yeah, that art was, was really pretty. As he mentioned, Kubert covers, Nestor Redondo insides, and then Alex Nino backups. Just, just for pure art's sake, those are great. Those are
0: great, you know, great. We used to have those in our 50-cent bin all the time, and I just never picked them up for some reason. I wish I had now. So
1: yeah, so it it, my... It's a weird little bump in DC history because they don't own that character. That was a character they licensed. And somehow it made it onto the Super Friends, uh, which is huh. very unusual. And then basically she's never been seen again, which is why she never got a listing in Who's Who, despite the fact she had her own series.
0: Look at that. There's some history for you right there. You should have covered that in Who's Who. All right. Hey. Uh, we heard from Dave Z. He's a frequent commenter. He has a he has a site as well. It's, it's, a, it's a Tumblr site. Check this out. Osborne's. Pumpkin Bombs. That's Osborne's plural. Pumpkinbombs.tumblr.com. Love that. Uh, he just wrote in to tell us uh, when we asked everyone to pimp themselves. So uh, He said he runs uh, Osborne's Pumpkin Bombs and he posts comics, Doctor Who, slasher movies, Star Wars, and Harry Potter. So be sure to go over and check that out. Heard from Mark F. Grave? What do you think? I think that's what, I think we got it
1: right. We said awesome. It before,
0: Great. Yeah. He wrote in saying, your show, along with Raging Bullets, gave me the bug to do my own podcast. So with my friend Jeremy I do a podcast called The Society of Leagues. In this podcast, we cover all things Justice League and Justice Society, past, present, and future. Hey, let's put him to the test. Let's see if he's covering Justice League 3000. Anyway, he says, we have a Facebook page and a Twitter feed and are on iTunes, so please give us a listen if you have spare minutes. Ignore the first episode. The sound is awful, he says. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Got notes from uh, my buddy, David, and he gave me a pronunciation guide here, David Gutierrez. Gutierrez. Yeah, I'm never going to get that right again. Just fair warning, David. Um, he wrote in saying, "What? Still no tales from Cubert School?" Well, You got gift. it
1: now. There you go, David.
0: There you go. Uh, wondering if you guys played Injustice: Gods Among Us? It's made for both both of you guys. Aquaman is a great playable character, and so is Killer Frost. Uh, to answer that question, David, I have played Injustice. My step, my fourteen year old stepson has it. He soundly trumped me as Killer Frost, as him and this Joker. I mean, just. It was, it was sickening how horribly I got beat. I have absolutely no skill in video games, even less in fighting games. So I was utterly destroyed. So, uh, He asked an interesting question, I want to put it to Rob. He said, Rob, there's something that's always bugged me about Aquaman, and I wonder what your thoughts were on the matter. I never get why there's so many times Aquaman's undersea actions and architecture are drawn as if they're taking place on land. Why would Atlanteans sit or walk? Why would they wear the same kinds of clothes like robes? Why would they work in the same way in a marine environment? So uh, he talks, you know, asking questions about, what do you think, Rob? Any particular thoughts? I just think
1: it's just, in terms of being an artist, so much harder <laughs> to have people <laughs> constantly floating, and I, you know, I really just think that's what it is, and I'm not saying artists are lazy, it's just, you're basically having to imagine, I mean, us as, as you know, bipeds that live on the, live on the earth, our whole view of the world is walking on the ground and imagine trying to rethink that whole thing uh, meanwhile you're trying to tell this story that the writer's doing and it's got to be drawn well i i really just think it's, it's just a matter of simplicity just it's just too complex to try and do that
0: What's just interesting in 70 years of namor and aquaman publishing no one's i don't know thought that differently
1: Well, I mean, they've touched on it. I mean, like, you know, there was a lot of stuff from the, actually, the Golden Age uh, Aquaman where he was floating a lot. You know, he didn't really do a lot of, but, uh, yeah, I think it's just hard to do. I think it's just really, really hard. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, when when Gene Roddenberry was first developing Star Trek, he was pitching the show. And one of the reasons that nobody wanted to do sci-fi was because they thought everybody had to float in space. And they're like, how could we shoot a show where everybody's floating? It's going to cost a billion dollars, and in his original Star Trek like pitch to the networks, he came up with the idea of well, the Enterprise will only visit Class M planets, and Class M planets are those that have gravity, much like Earth, so people can walk around. You're like, wow, yeah. all that money's been saved! It's perfect. <laughs> so I just think it's it's just it's just too complicated. It would just take you'd never be able to get a monthly book done uh, if you yeah. have, to, have to have everybody floating around all the time.
0: Now it's fair to say though, gravity, even though you can float underwater, gravity still plays a role. Right. So, I mean, you don't see fish swimming upside down.
1: Right, right, right.
0: They still swim right side up. So, I mean, you know, it's it's something to be said. All right. Uh, I heard from Patrick Moe. He sent us an email. He asked a series of questions. I'm actually going to blow through some of these pretty quick here. But he says, I wonder how other people handle their comic book collection, reading, and thought I'd ask you a series of questions. Looks like a questionnaire for some project, but they were just things that popped in my head. How quickly do you read the comics you get? Do you focus on your main characters or do you – the ones that you don't read away right away, what what makes you do that? For me, um, I get my comics, honestly, I don't read them that quickly. I used to. I used to read them the day I got them when I was younger. Nowadays, they tend to sit in a stack, and as far as what I read first, I put the ones that I'm really passionate about on top, like Flash usually hits the top of the pile, Daredevil will hit the top of the pile, Hawkeye will hit the top of the pile, and then, you know, if I'm getting, no offense, Justice like, League Dark, it ends up kind of down on the bottom, and Quite frankly, I've still got some Booster Gold from seven years ago in a drawer (laughs) somewhere that I haven't got to. Not because it was a bad book. I just never got around to it. So anyway, um, when do I read – when do you read your comics? Uh, Do you have a set time of day, location, whatever? Usually it's when I'm going to bed. Um, I didn't give you a chance to answer that question, Rob. I'm sorry. How quickly do you read your comics?
1: Uh, You know, it all – it really all depends. When it's new stuff, I tend to read it fairly quickly. If it's older stuff that I'm rereading or older stuff that I think I'm – I particularly hunt it out. I kind of hold it and, and wait to savor it. Like, in real, like you, I read. I tend to read them before I go to bed at night. But um, I have a pile here of, as I call, mountain comics that I've been yeah. saving for the past like couple of weeks because I just want to pick a nice moment where I have time to relax and I have not had that pretty much in the past month or so. Um, so I'm, I'm just waiting for, for a good moment to really sit back and relax and enjoy it. So it really does all depend.
0: Yeah, I, in in my case, you know, I'm I'm a father of two um very active children, pets, all that. I, the only time I get to myself is like right now I'm, we're recording this while my family's asleep. <laughs> it's the only time I have to myself So that's usually when I get to read comics And unfortunately, once I sit down to start reading I tend to fall asleep pretty darn quick <laughs> So, um, how do you read your comics? Do you focus on anything Alright Rob, do you? Here, this was a good one for you How do you read your comics? Do you focus on anything specifically, art or story first? You know, I, I oh boy, if if I really
1: don't like the art Of a particular book That is going to kill it for me That is just going to kill it um, If the art is mediocre and the story is really, really good, then I can get over it. But if the art, I think, is is just terrible or really doesn't fit what I would like to see for the book, uh, I'm not going to pick it up. I won't say what book it is because I don't really want to trash anybody. But there was a relatively new DC series they put out, let's say in the last year. And I liked the concept, and I liked the writers, and I grabbed the book off the shelf, and I opened it to the page, and I was so disappointed by the art. That I literally just put it back down. I was like, you know what? I don't want to look at this for twenty pages. I, I just so yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, if if the if, if if the story is so good, I can get past the art. It's almost like, well, let me just read it as a book then. I don't need to do it as a comic book. <laughs> so I do tend to lean a little more on the on the art of it. At the same time, um, if the story is really terrible and the art is great. I'm not as into that either, because then it's just pretty pictures, you yeah. know. Um, I mean, I mentioned about Rima, you know, uh, but in terms of a modern comic, a lot of that stuff—it's like, eh, yeah, they're, they're, these are nice pin. Like, let me just see this person doing pinups, because I don't need to see this story. So, I, I do try to hit a nice balance sometimes.
0: Most of the time. Yeah, like I, um, I I'm the opposite. I, I tend to lean towards writing. As long as the art is passable, I can usually get through it. Uh, in fact, a lot of times I'll finish the comic and I can't even remember like a specific panel. I'll have to go back and look into the comic. Like, especially when we're, when we're doing a comic for a review on the show, I blaze through it and get so much out of the story. I actually have to go back and look panel by panel just to see if I notice anything. Because hmm. I tend to read just for the story first. I mean, A, a great example to me, this is an old book so I don't mind trashing it, is uh, Graham Morrison's Animal Man. I could not stand the artwork on that book.
1: Okay. Couldn't stand was it. Was that Chaz Truong?
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes, it was. And, I mean, he'd, he'd do great on, like, Madman or something, but just I couldn't stand it. But I read that. I kept reading the book because the story was so good. So, anyway, uh, do we reread comics? Uh, for me, I would love to. I just don't really have the time. Uh, I have so many that I want to reread. Jeff John's Flash is on a stack that I want to reread. All-Star Squadron is on a stack I want to reread. I don't know if I'm going to get to it before I die. So, <laughs> uh, Heard from Paul in Greensboro His uh, site is paullovescomics.tumblr.com He says, I agree 100% that DC should publish plenty of series that are outside of current continuity They have so many characters who work in alternate worlds of their own and uh, such a long history to riff on That's uh, We made reference to just uh, last episode some various ways DC could make money out off of us <laughs> so. Heard from our buddy Ange Ange is a, a longtime contributor to the show. He has his own blog all about Supergirl over at comicboxcommentary.blogspot.com. He said, I love these sort of... Uh, this is when we talked about unsung heroes. He said, I love these sort of side mission episodes. Like you guys, I love to talk about dustier corners of comics history and my favorite characters. I don't get to talk about this stuff in my real life, so these topics are appreciated. I'm sort of the same way. There's... there's I know a certain group of people that uh, are into comics, but not to the level I am. So I don't, it's, it's nice to find some weirdo like Rob on the other side of the world that I can talk to about this stuff. Uh, he the said, Other after-
1: side of the world? Do you not know where New Jersey is, Shane?
0: Well, in a sense, it's the other side. Of right. Let's be okay. honest, Rob. I, uh, I've seen, I, I know field. you guys have that show, Jersey Shore. Anyway, as for my comment about DC being dark, I won't shy away from it, but I will trumpet the books that I'm enjoying that break the trend. Vibe has been a really nice throwback to the young hero struggling to do what's right comic. I bet you would love it, Rob. I also enjoy Asriello's Wonder Woman, but read it like an Elseworlds book, also separate from the DCU. And, I, and recently, I think Greg Pak is a better handle on Superman than... Many of the recent creators, and his action comics with artist Aaron Cooter has been great so far. Very cool. Um, got another couple comments from Ange on our episode where we talked about DC Comics Presents. He was very excited that we did the DC Comics Presents episodes, because he, he loves those. So he said, um, well, I'd never read the Aquaman issue. The Firestorm issue is my introduction to the character. Uh, he said if, that I always knew... Um, Okay, I always never knew. I also, blah, blah. I also never knew just how a brain freeze enslaves Superman. Don't let the man of steel drink a Slurpee too fast. <laughs> but as you guys say, this is just a wonderful issue and exactly what a team of comics should be. The art by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise crazy be his name. name, is just perfect. I found these team of books to be the sort of primer for the extended DCU. It was here that I learned about so many of the lesser known heroes and villains. I miss this sort of comic. Totally agree with you, my friend. And also, he by the way, he's a contributor to uh, dcbloodlines.blogspot.com, which is <laughs> – I'll lay off – which is a, a site that is headed up – spearheaded, if you will, by Diablo Frank.
1: I was thinking of something funny I heard earlier.
0: Uh-oh. Oh, right. Is that what it was? Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was, uh, I was, there, it was actually heard earlier about the Bloodlines –
0: uh, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it's not actually laughing at the website, folks. Uh, for Chad Bulkman who's never heard of DC Web Bloodlines, uh DC Bloodlines was a crossover in the nineties that is not fondly remembered by most <laughs> living and breathing human beings. So Diablo Frank being the exception. Well
1: right, Frank's just so- a head in a jar, so I mean technically you're still <laughs> correct. <laughs>
0: We heard from our buddy Siskoid. He has his own site at siskoid.blogspot.com. By the way, that's S-I-S-K-O-I-D.blogspot.com. If you haven't checked out his site, I highly recommend it. He and I, all of our tastes seem to overlap tremendously. It's it's just like it's yeah, I love his stuff. Anyway. Um, He said, I was just complimenting Roden Rodriguez. This is on our Unsung Heroes episode. I was just complimenting Roden Rodriguez on my YouTube channel and saying how I thought I may have dropped a figure of firestorm after he left, or because he left the book. So it really did make a difference once he was off the series. And then on the DC Comics Presents one, he said, on a larger question of... Brave and the Bold versus DC Comics Presents, I always found that Brave and the Bold was superior because it was almost always crazy. Thank you, Bob Haney. Well, Superman's team-ups both alternated between very traditional, ordinary stories and completely crazy, but I'd rather read a crazy DC Comics Presents than a crazy Brave and the Bold.
1: I think I said at the time that the Batman, I think the stories in Brave and the Bold were crazier, but Superman had crazier
0: guest stars. Eh, could be because Superman yeah.
1: Superman like teamed up with Santa Claus and like Hoppy the Marvel Bunny and stuff like that you I know
0: think he, I think he did say something Batman like that didn't yeah, get yeah.
1: to do that I get it just because of Superman's you know inherently more fantastic science fiction premise
0: yep so heard from our buddy gene Hendricks uh let's see uh, he has a site called the Hammer Strikes. you can find that at majolner hyphen thehammerstrikes dot blogs dot com oh I see I always said it that way it's m j O-L-N-I-R, yeah. hyphen, I The Hammer Strengths. I think it's millionaire. Is that how you, is that how you say I it? I think
1: they say in the movies.
0: There was a movie. Uh, he said uh, it's where he posts his thoughts on all things geeky, new posts every Thursday, and if I don't have something to comment on, I post a retrospective on Walt Simonson's run on Thor. That's awesome. Good stuff.
1: That's a good idea, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got a from Luke uh, email from Luke Giaconetti. Uh, of course, his blog is bncarterhall.blogspot.com. He says, "Untold heroes for Iron Man: Archie Goodwin and George Tusca. While a lot of folks seem to think that Iron Man simply disappeared into the ether after Stan Lee and Don Heck left the title, until Bob Layton and Dave Michelini took over, there's a great run of stories from Goodwin and Tuska which set the tone for two decades of Iron Man stories. Ideas such as Tony Stark abandoning weapons manufacturing, Tony having everything stripped from him, someone else in the Iron Man armor, shellhead facing armies of his enemies at once, intercompany politicking, all of it came from Goodwin. And while I very much admit that Tuska is not by cup of tea on more traditional superheroes such as the JLA, his work on Iron Man is really strong. The book seemed to play to his strengths with the technology, including Lux of arm- armored foes, the snarling faces of the Stark board of directors, and Tony's many lady friends. You know how in the Iron Man movies the faceplate on the armors always seems to be frowning or sneering? That's all George Tusca, and I still always picture the classic red and gold armor frowning because of it. Yeah, that was that's a really good uh, callback there. I have com- forgot about George Tuska. I mean I'm, I've complimented him before. I know that Shag hates him the way I hate the Legion, uh, but um, – <laughs> Yeah, and I've said that you know I didn't like Tuska's superhero stuff, but I like his crime comics and his other genre stuff. But I forgot he had a long run on Iron Man, and that's really nice-looking stuff. That really is. So yeah, good call, Luke. That is a uh, Tuska definitely deserves his praise for that.
0: Also, real quick, uh, Luke, not only does he do the Being Carter Hall blog, um, I don't know if you said the URL, beingcarterhall.blogspot.com, he He also does two podcasts, one's Earth Destruction Directive, it's his Japanese giant monster podcast, you can find that as part of the Two True Freaks Network at twotruefreaks.com. He also is a co-host on a horror podcast called The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, I love his titles, Uh, also on the Two True Freaks Network, check him out. On the DC Comics Presents issue, uh, he said, I went through some of my three-for-a-dollar comics I have picked up over the last few years and did find a single issue of DC Comics Presents. Number 53, where Superman teams up with, wait for it, the House of Mystery. (laughs) All right, that is now on top of my pile of comics on my nightstand. uh, This issue also features a 16-page Atari Force preview. Freaking sweet, man. Uh, (laughs) We heard from our buddy Corey Hodgson. He uh, he has his own website. It's an art blog, and it's c That's c h o d g d o n.blogspot.com. He he also is doing a self-published comic called "The Capture of Bigfoot," which you can find at captureofbigfoot.blogspot.com. Which I bought. So, yeah. ah, look at you! You're such a good soul. So. We heard from Tim Wallace. He said uh, – he, he has a site in which he, he pimped here. He said, inspired by several blogs I read online, I set out to create my own. Cue inspirational music. I wanted <laughs> to tell stories of my favorite comic book hero, Aqua. Oh, wait. He's already taken. Okay, then I'll create something filled with all the things I enjoy and call it my blog of geek. Uh, oh, that's taken too. All righty then. I've got it. Something unique, something old, something new, something blah ha ha something blue. Cord Industries, a Blue Beetle blog. So check that out, folks. It is over at Cord Industries. That's K-O-R-D, Cordindustries.blogspot.com. Blue Beetle coverage there. Getting, he covers TED. He covers all the stuff. I love that site. I, I, I hit that one quite often. I'm a big fan of Blue Beetle, so it's cool. Then uh, in our DC Comics Presents episode, he said... Uh, yes, the He Man story from Eternia with Death uh, is included in Showcase Presents Volume Two. Look at that! I think I said it probably wouldn't be, and I was proven wrong. Once in a blue moon, that happens. So,
1: yes, uh, Martin Gro- uh, Robert Gross, Martin Gross, Martin, Robert Gross, aka Martin Stein, <laughs> returns. Sent us a comment on the Unsung Heroes episode. He said, "If you can't find anything on John Daly, then I wonder if it's a pseudonym for someone else." I thought of that because a lot of comic book artists back then did use pseudonyms because they didn't want to had their name on material they thought would be considered slumming. Uh, But as far as I know, that was his real name because uh, I think Roy Thomas said that he's done some research on Daly and he's never uncovered that it's a pseudonym. But I don't know. I I could be completely wrong. It it might be considering the fact he really did so entirely disappear. So I don't know. I I, I hope to someday still find out what happened to that guy because, boy, I do love his stuff. But uh, for now, he remains a mystery.
0: Huh. Um, an episode or two ago, I talked about this show on Nickelodeon. I just barely mentioned it, but I actually heard from both, uh, uh, Robert Gross and Hart, I think it was Hartley. Uh, I'll come, I'll get to it in a bit, but either way on what those shows were, these guys were incredibly helpful. There are these old Nickelodeon shows. Uh, one was called the witches and the grinny gog, and you can find some of that on YouTube now. And then there's this other show where oh, I was talking about this whole, this line, I deny you the nitus. It was like stuck in my head. I couldn't ever remember. Anyway, it was, um, Into the Labyrinth is what it was called. And what they would do is they would show these short-lived British shows uh, in a thing called The Third Eye. It was like an anthology. So they showed Into the Labyrinth, uh, Children of the Stones, and Haunting of Cassie Palmer. And let me tell you, like, when, uh, when he sent all these links, it was unbelievable. It was like, oh, I remember all of this stuff. <laughs> so, um, he said, this show really made a deep impression on me as a kid, so much that when I was an adult, slightly before the days of YouTube, I ran down bootleg VH copy, VHS copies of each one of the shows. I noticed that two of them, Into the Labyrinth and Children of the Stones, were scored by the same composer named Sidney Sager. I wound up writing a paper on Sidney Sager and living for a year and a half in England because of that paper. <laughs> He's no longer with us, but he was a brilliant composer and a lovely Englishman. I was blessed to have known him
1: how cool is yeah, that that's
0: fantastic yeah what a great story thank you for sharing that robert we heard from our buddy derek crab um rob you appeared on his podcast fanholes was that I right i did and that can be found at fanholes it's, it's exactly like it sounds folks fanholes he also has uh, a history of comics on film a chronological video documentary of comic books to film and tv adaptations that's it H-O-C-O-F, which is just short for History of Comics uh, on Film, dot .blogspot.com. Heard from our buddy Kyle Benning. He said, uh, speaking of DC Comics Presents and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise, praise be his name. his name, said, I have those first four issues all signed by Jose. Cool. I, he said, I enjoy the Murphy Anderson art in this issue, talking about the Aquaman one, but I agree it was a drop in the art dynamic from Jose's work in the previous four issues. But then again, who could say uh, that I'm sorry, but then again, you could say that about pretty much anyone who tried to follow up on Jose's art in that book. Jose is one of the ten greatest superhero comic artists of all time, in my opinion. That's a tough act to follow from anyone. He also uh, on he went on to say, "Oh, he went over to Blar is still on DC Comics Presents." Sorry, awesome episode, a great crossover team up between two of my favorite heroes and two of my favorite podcasts. He's talking about Fire and Water and Who's Who. Uh, I'm just kidding. Fire and Water and uh, Michael Bailey's Views from the Loan Box said, I agree this is one of those few DC Comics Presents issues that spilled over into another DC proper book or had lasting implications. Because that was very rare for that to happen. Yes. Oh, no. Really?
1: <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Okay. it. We got an email from <laughs> Martin Gray. I said – no, no, I'm not going to do it. Uh, regarding the DC Comics Presents episode, he says, fun podcast, and yes, DCCP was meant to be a JLG JL Garcia Lopez book. That's what the pre-publicity Praise said. His name. Yeah, I, I – I, okay. Uh, I thought maybe we should – never mind. That's what the pre-publicity said. I disagree with Rob that one of the points of team-up titles was to have inventory to drop into Batman or Superman titles if the dreaded deadline doom hit. Does anyone have a single example of that happening over the couple of decades B&B and DCCP existed? They were their own thing. All right. I will say I'm wrong. I, I got that totally wrong. What I was Woo-hoo! doing was I was conflating two different things that I heard. Many – in an issue of Back Issue. Two Morrow's is, uh, back oh, – I'm not Back Issue. I'm sorry. Comic Book Artist. Comic Book Artist. Um, they were interviewing Marv Wolfman because there was a point in the 70s where Marv Wolfman was the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics. Um, I mean during the 70s, they had so many people running that company's editor-in-chief. I think at one point – like, everyone was the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics for five minutes. I think Mike, Gil- uh, I think Mike Gillis did it. Uh, <laughs> when they, that's when they published all those religious comics. So, I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> and um, so, Mar Wolfman talked about that a book that he created, he created a, a Marvel title that was never meant to be printed. And it was called Marvel Fill-In Comics. And he hired different groups of artists and writers to do the book every month and it would be a completely finished one-off story that was then put into the inventory drawers and could be pulled out if somebody blew their deadline so Interesting. they so they purposely did like you know one issue it was like oh this you know let's write a story with Spider-Man Hulk and Iron Man and we could run it in Avengers we could run it in Hulk we could run it in Spider-Man blah 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 and he described it that the team-up books the Marvel the Marvel team-up books were great for using those inventory stories because they were one-offs and because they, you know, didn't really affect anything outside of the normal stories. So I was sort of conflating those two ideas. Nevertheless, I got it wrong. DCCP was clearly meant to be not that kind of book.
0: Is conflating a word?
1: Yeah, conflating, yeah. Okay. It's a word.
0: I wonder if you get other things wrong. Anyway, uh, that would explains all the Stegron episodes of Marvel uh, Comics or Marvel Team-Up. But, um he went on to say, "Those Jose Luis, Ho, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name. name, art is sumptuous. What a great word, sumptuous. Who else has such wonderful compositions, sharp finishes, and startled birdies? <laughs> Thanks for the ads, ad inclusions, Michael Bailey. It's great to see them again, especially the awesome GL and the electrifying Superboy redo. Nice. Heard from our buddy Sean Corey, who runs the Captain Carrot blog. Uh, I don't have the URL in front of me because he didn't give it to us, but I want to say it's uh, Captain Carrot's I think. Yes. You should definitely check that out, Captain Carrot blog. Lots of fun. Uh, he says, anyway, just writing to thank you for making me add yet more back issues to my back issue search. Laugh out loud. I really need to stop listening before you guys put me in the poorhouse. The issues in question, strange enough, are not the ones you covered, but are ones you mentioned. I'm referring to DC Comics Presents where Superman teamed up with He-Man. I'm, a bit, uh, I'm, I'm on a bit of a Masters of the Universe kick right now. Loving the DCU versus Masters of the Universe miniseries is out right now. Uh, run, Roll on the Mossman versus Swamp Thing battle. <laughs> nice. Heard from uh, Chris. I don't know Chris's last name, but Chris, um, this is not Earth 2 Chris, different guy. He has a site called MythMakingEtc.com. So it's MythMakingETc.com. And uh, we'll mention him again a little bit later when, uh, if we get down to uh, the podcast. He said, uh, I wasn't as favorable as the three of you on this issue, speaking of the Superman one. I'm sorry, Superman and Firestorm one. He said, I wasn't as favorable as the three of you on this issue, but I agree uh, with most of your positive points. I think the same odd elements of the plot that you guys acknowledged during the show just affected me more negatively. I respect Conway as a writer, but he sometimes makes leaps of logic in his plots that I have a hard time swallowing. Yeah, you know, that's fair. Um, he's not for everybody and you're wrong because Conway's amazing. But anyway, (laughs) uh, heard from blue scream. He said, man, I did. Oh, this is on the soundtrack. We didn't get a lot of comments on the soundtrack album. I hope you guys enjoyed it. But I mean, there's not a lot to say, but, uh, blue scream said, man, I still dig that vibe theme. (laughs) Um, quick aside the other day, we're getting, we're getting in the car and my seven year old daughter goes, daddy, I can't get that song out of my head. Like what are you talking about, honey? And she starts singing Luke Dobbs' Firestorm song. <laughs> I am like, "What?" And I am like, "Where did this?" Guy, I played it for like a week or two before, and and she's I can't and she knows almost all the lyrics. And I am like, so I filmed a little bit and sent it. I don't know if you guys know, but Luke Dobbs was recently in the hospital; he was real sick. And uh, so I sent him a little video of my daughter singing it, hopefully cheering him up. So I hope you are feeling better, Luke.
1: Yes, uh, Luke said, Luke in the future only eat Fire and Water brand foodstuffs.
0: I <laughs> heard from our buddy Randy, he said uh, Here's an unsung Aquaman writer, in my opinion Jerry Conway Oh, That's a good call He wrote JLA for a very long time and used Aquaman pretty well Often this was the only book Aquaman would be Appearing in uh, that month And Conway never shied away from portraying him well My most memorable moment would be the fact That he used Aquaman in the JLA-JSA crossover With the All-Star Squadron Huh Pretty cool. Now, you know, we uh, we talked a little bit about Dan Juergens in the last episode. Dan Juergens is going to be handling both Firestorm and Aquaman. Is it possible that him and Jerry Conway are the uh, – well, I guess it would be Dan Juergens, Jerry Conway, and Jeff Johns are the only writers to simultaneously handle Aquaman and Firestorm, you think? That's all I can come up with. Uh, Jeff Johns was in Brightest hmm, Day.
1: Yeah. Hmm, I'd have to think about that, yeah. Yeah.
0: So write in, folks. Tell me if I'm wrong. But that's, a, that's kind of a cool exclusive club. I hope they all have jackets.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. I really think you might be right because Jerry Conway is like the only one that wrote JLA. Anyway, uh, email from Earth to Chris on the uh, episode 72, Unsung Heroes. An unsung hero I can think of from this period, sometimes inked by Rodriguez, was Alex Saviak. Rob has sang his, sung his praises, but I don't think he gets enough credit for his solid but exciting superhero work. His characters were always very on-model, somewhat like a cross between JLGL, PBHN, and Kurt Swan. He drew Aquaman's backup strip in action comics at times, and I still dig his mirror in the black bikini. Uh, I can agree with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Alex Saviak is one of those guys who I think really uh, suffered when he had bad inking. Um,
0: mm. Because he, when he had
1: good inking, he was really good, and when he has like indifferent inking... Uh, I think sometimes it would drown. His, no pun intended. Uh, drown his work. Although his layouts, <laughs> his layouts are unbelievable. I mean, at one point Alex Selviuk worked with Will Eisner. So you know, Will, if you're Will Eisner, thinks you're good enough to work with him. That's a, you're pretty good. So yeah, yeah uh, Alex Selvik is a very talented guy. And I have an Alex Selviuk sketch in my Aquaman sketchbook, and it's phenomenal. So uh, yeah, I think he's somebody that just sometimes didn't get paired up with really good inkers, and I think that maybe hurt his reputation a little bit.
0: Huh. Interesting. I, you know, it took me a long time to, to really clue into who he was. And now that I see it, yeah, he's, he's really got that like Marvel half style yep. really sharply. So um, her, he mentioned our soundtrack. He said, I can see these eight tracks outselling Slim Whitman's greatest hits. <laughs> and he said, We do have a talented bunch of folks around here, don't we? Great work, guys. Thanks for cleansing the Christmas time palette for me. So, and yes, thank you it goes out to everyone involved with the soundtrack. You guys are amazingly talented people. And it blows me away that you took the time to write and compose songs and let us share it with uh, your fellow listeners. So uh, here's to more music in 2014, oh, folks. Let's do it.
1: Ken uh, Dragula <laughs> from Aquaman Trine. Aquaman, Firestorm, Superman, Ed Red Tube. Finally, a podcast that appeals to all my interests. I just, <laughs> I just listened to the second part of the crossover, Ed Views in the Long Box, and I quite enjoyed this little two parter. I think brevity is what makes a crossover like this better than say Maximum Carnage, although the infusion of doppelgangers could have added a little spice to these DC Comic Present stories. Rob, I just read Justice League of America number two hundred a couple weeks ago, and wow, is that an amazingly awesome story? I haven't been this I haven't I haven't been excited like I was wait a minute! I haven't been excited like I was reading that issue by anything in years other than Red to. Yeah, uh, yeah. Shag, well, yeah, you brought it up. Don't start.
0: You know. I, I purposely did not highlight any of those comments, thinking that you had, <laughs> had enough of that. So. But we forgot to mention he has his own site. It's blackcanaryfan.blogspot.com, where he chronicles uh, Dina Lance, so or That's Laura That's a great Lance, blog. Or, That's a fun blog. Really is. He does some really. He does some amazing stuff with action figures, guys. Just hilarious stuff. You need to check that out. Yeah. So we heard from our buddy Little Br- Russell, bleh, Little Russell Burbage from Gateway City, California. Uh, he wrote in – by the way, he has a website, and I cannot say this to save my life, Russell. I'm Nobody so can. sorry. It's, well, it's it's what – Friends of Justice, I guess, is what it is, but it's – That's not the address, unfortunately. Right. Jeez. Uh, S-E-I-G-I-N-O-N-A-K-A-M-A. Because uh, Russell.blogspot.com. Russell, I guess he taught English in Japan. Is that right? Yes. And he has this cool blog where he takes Justice League like, cartoons he drew that, to help teach English to Japanese people. And he, he's publishing them and keeping them going. And every 12th, and he'll do different shout-outs for people's birthdays and stuff. It's a fun site. You should definitely check it out. So a little Russell Burbage from Gateway City, California. He said, I'm with Earth 2 Chris here. The story was good, but it didn't make me want to do – oh, he's talking about um, DC Comics Presents. Uh, the story was good, but it didn't want to make me do any cartwheels in space. Uh, the ice statue thing bothered me a lot, and the idea that the JLA was the legion of superheroes of the current age really bothered me, too, with that idea that Firestorm should have joined the Teen Titans. That's a different story. The scene itself between Superman and Firestorm was nice, though. My favorite part of the podcast was when you guys either reading the Flash hostess ad or Rob's comments about Robin. He got so upset, his voice went up an octave or two. All what right. did
1: I say about Robin? I don't, I don't
0: know, but your voice just went up an octave or two again. Uh, Russell's got a real mad-on for Bronze Age Firestorm, man. Uh, we're going to have to have a throwdown someday. I'm sorry you have a problem that he joined the Justice League and hid his identity. But you know what? It's time for you to face that, pal. It is time to move on. Yeah, I'm just trying to stir up trouble for no reason. It's, uh, blame it on the medicine, Russell. Her from Jack Dower. Uh He said, I must agree that one of the best things about your show is the chemistry. Think Composite Slipknot and Secret Wars Kang figure. (laughs) I don't even know what that means.
1: (laughs) I hated those Secret Wars figures.
0: If you don't know Jack Dower, by the way, Jack is into institutionalized and uh, passes notes out through the guards and gets them to us. So a lot of times they're just off the wall. Uh, this, all right. Then on the Unsung Heroes one, he said, this time I'm answering your question. Like Lieutenant Jack and Eddie, I'm really enjoying the new 52. I get every title every week and enjoy them all to varying degrees, even the green team. The standout for me are Bruce Wayne-centered Batman titles. Forever Evil, Arkham War, Aquaman, Flash, Superman, and both Scooby-Doo titles. My nephew and I were only getting Batman, Scooby-Doo, and Green Lantern before the New Fifty Two, and a load of Marvel books. Now it's reversed. We only get Fantastic Four and Guardians of the Galaxy. Talking raccoons and trees are awesome. For Marvel and DC, for Marvel and a ton of. Okay, he gets a ton of DC. I had many marveld friends who would not have looked at a DC book without a bat symbol on it before the New 52, who are now getting and staying with multiple and various DC titles. Not, just not Green Team, which is probably why it's going away. Did you catch that? He gets every New 52 title? I did, I know. <laughs> so I wrote him back and I said, no, wait a minute. If you're in an institution, does that mean our tax dollars are paying for you to get your comics? He wouldn't respond. So um, Maybe some I'm sort a- of make-a-wish thing or something. Like that kid, you know It's like Jack Dower
1: receives his Four tons of comics this week (gasps) Oh god, that's terrible I don't know (sighs) uh, uh, Thank you He he sent us an email on episode 73 DC Comics Presents In recent years, both the Merry Marchers and the Distinguished Competition Have made quality attempts to revive these books Meaning team-up books Sadly, seals have not matched quality. Is there any way you can think of to get one of these types of titles to sell with a modern fan base? Unfortunately, no. I think the problem is, you know, most of us who listen to the show or do the show are out of step with the majority of the comic buying demographic, whatever the hell that is, because they want to read, I think, multi issue arcs where everything changes. And team up books are the opposite of that. Team up books are almost meant to be, you know, one offs or two offs, self-contained stories. And I just think most people don't want to read them; they just don't. DC did, gave it a really good shot with the New Brave and the Bold. They had George Perez drawing it. Mark, you know, I mean, uh, I really enjoyed that book. And then it just sort of withered and died. So I really think that that's what the problem: is people just don't they don't want to read one off stories anymore.
0: I mean, you're, you are absolutely right. You said what I was going to say. I mean, if the, the best shiny example is that Brave and the Bold series yep. written by Mark Wade, art by George Perez. Later on, J. Michael Straczynski came in, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to lie, even I stopped reading it, and I don't know why. Like, I was still, for months, I was still buying it and just wasn't reading it, and then eventually I just stopped buying it, and I, I, maybe that is done. I don't know. I miss them, but even I failed to support it. Look at me. I'm terrible. It's my yeah. fault they can It's my fault they canceled the Flintstones. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: Uh you know, I think part of the problem with that is that comic books have gotten so expensive that stories that are meant to be sort of trifles seem a little like wow, I paid 4 dollars for this, you know? I I think there's I think there's something. I know I mean everything's, you know, comparatively, but like you know, back when comics were 25 cents or 35 cents, you know, you didn't Need the whole world to change for that, you know. You could just enjoy a story where Batman and Aquaman beat the crap out of each other for twenty pages, and now it's you know. I think of like you read Batman and Brother Power with a Geek, you're like, really three ninety nine for this or two ninety nine? I think that's part where the price points really start hurting. Um, yeah, stories. Yeah. So uh, I got to thank Jack. He was the only person to send in a comment on the White Christmas commentary episode uh, uh, that uh, Earth Two Chris and I recorded as just like a l- weird little bonus, so thank you very much Jack. I appreciate it. I don't know if anybody listened to it <laughs> but um <laughs> but we had enju- we really had a lot of fun doing it, and I'm glad that I did it because I got to just completely go nuts and be a total nerd on that movie so uh thank you jack for for you know for commenting on it. I
0: appreciate it. I'm glad you did that. I think I think we should do more of that stuff. Just whenever an urge gets us to throw whatever we want in the feed. I, so.
1: I, I could do it. And I could do our Christmas again next year.
0: <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> I still ran. I talked for two hours. I still forgot. Just, damn, I forgot to mention that and that and that and that.
0: <laughs> How funny! Uh, we got an email from uh, B Moss. I think it's Boston Moss. Is that right? Uh, anyway, he just kind of was thanking us for the um, the 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 stingers you put at the end of the episode. So, oh ah, cool. you're welcome. Uh, let's see. Heard from Mike Gillis uh, He said uh, Mike produce Mike is one of our frequent commenters He also produces a couple podcasts Radio vs. The Martians A bi-monthly sh- panel show In the vein of really nerdy McLaughlin group uh, They said they have a rotating group Of panels of friends uh, Jack Drummond. They have profanity laden discussion about popular culture, science fiction, movies, comics, pro wrestling, television, and more. Um, they've done episodes on Star Trek, professional wrestling, Superman, Arnold Schwarzenegger, zombies, and George Lucas. I personally listen to a few of these Radio versus the Martians podcasts. They're exceptional, they're really good. So I highly recommend it. Uh, and then Mike and Paul Save the Universe, yes. which is a, month, a monthly comic podcast. Which I did the logo is... for. Oh, did you really? I did. Very cool. Him and his Australian friend, Paul. Uh, he told us how to say this one time, and I forgot. Paul Rua? Paul Rua, anyway, yeah. I believe. They talk about comics, and they're mo- they try to be positive. Rather than do a show that rants about stuff that annoys them, uh, although they do that sometimes, they try to focus on directing people to comics that are really good. So that's the spirit. There you go.
1: Yeah, he said <laughs> – I'm not going to read this whole email, but he said it's this thing about the uh, – talking about my, my goofing about, you know – Finding an old man And what he might actually Really say to you In real life As opposed to teaching you Karate or the Mystic <laughs> And he says What would you do He says if You rescued an old man Who was in, in question A former superhero But was like Uncomfortably racist You know And like was like Maybe like a John Birch Society type And he kind of get, Gets into the gritty details Of what that might be like About how angry He would, might be That an amazing man Was allowed in the All-Star Squadron And he says Thanks guys and then he ends it with We all know I'm talking About Johnny Thunder Right <laughs> I just love the shot of Johnny Thunder out of nowhere.
0: Poor Johnny Thunder.
1: (laughs) We've ascribed all these horrible things to him for no good reason.
0: Oh, geez. All right. We heard from Alexander Adrock. He said, I was inspired to write in by the comments regarding negativity towards the current DCU and your call to arms for some positive feelings on the new 52 titles. I'm sad to say that I too have fallen victim to the malaise over the recent books and their darker tone over shameless uh, or sameness in appearance. However, I would like to say in the defense of disgruntled fans that just because you don't like or accept these current books doesn't make you a negative or downer in my eyes. It just means that you care about these characters so much that you choose not to accept a world where they are treated as fodder for cheap deaths and out-of-character actions from the company that want to create HBO shows rather than superhero adventures. Having said that, I still want to honor the intent of the initial request for some positivity on the new titles and say that both Batman Black and White – Batman 66 have been making me very happy, as well as the news of Jeff Parker on Aquaman. I'd also like to add that with shows like Fire & Water Podcast and its community of super friends, that there is always going to be positive force out there on the web going to bat for these timeless characters. Oh, that was nice. Good stuff. I like that. Uh, We heard from Michael Bradley. Michael Bradley is another one of our listeners. Now, he has a couple of of shows of his own. He does The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, which is at greatkrypton.com. Exploring the history and development of the Man of Steel. Sorry, is that a that's a podcast, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. And then uh, he does Sch- Siegel and Schuster Myth Makers, which you can also find at greatcrypton.com. And he's on, on our Unsung Heroes episode. He said, please, please, please don't let that be a one-time segment. Yeah, Maybe we'll do another one. Maybe so. So, all right. Heard from Mark Ross. He said, I really enjoy the podcast. I enjoy your interaction. I've been a big fan of Firestorm for years now. After decades of awareness but no interest, I've become an Aquaman fan. Yay. <laughs> he said, I'm not sure if you use uh, personal computers, but I made a fire and water podcast animated cursor to replace that or boring hourglass. Thank you for that, Mark. I absolutely love it. He said, uh, also, it's not comic-related, but I take your encouragement to share my uh, newly <sighs> – sorry. This cold is killing me. Uh, he said, it's not comic-related, but I'll take your encouragement to share my newly created blog, ReasonsForHope315.com. I'm sharing evidence and laying out a case for why I have hope in Jesus Christ. That's very cool, Mark. Awesome. Lucian Dessar wrote in. He said, uh, this is a funny. I like this. When you're reading a comic, I'm sorry, when you're a kid reading comics, what misconceptions do you have about them? For myself, I had two. One, I thought comic books would last forever. Imagine my... Uh, absolute horror when my favorite comic, Ghost Rider, was canceled. How can they just stop a comic? What happens afterwards? It took me weeks to come to terms with this. Second, when I went to a, to a comic book convention for the first time, I thought any artist that drew a famous comic book character directly worked for DC Comics. And he gave this true dialogue conversation. Uh, here, I'll, I'll be uh, Lucian. You be the artist. How's that? <laughs> he goes, wow, you draw Aquaman? That's so cool. I really like the comic book.
1: Uh, no, I just drew him so people can buy a sketch.
0: So, you don't draw for that comic book? Are you working for DC Comics? No, I wish, but they won't hire me. Isn't that copyright infringement? I don't understand. <laughs> At this point, the artist ignored me and tried to strike up a conversation with a nearby complete stranger just to <laughs> avoid me. I started to think that all the artists were frauds and pondered perhaps the drawings were auto-generated by a computer instead. Well, you should stop talking to Rob Leefield then, Lucian. I don't understand. Oh! Hey, I met Rob Liefeld in a bar. He was very nice. Shooting fish in a barrel. Shooting fish in a, in a, in a subway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, call back. Lucien, Lucien Dessar. All
0: right. Uh, we heard from, and I quote... That Bastard Frank, uh, also known as Diablo Frank. Folks, I- if you don't know, Frank is all over the Internet. Uh, he's personally responsible for CNN.com, FoxNews.com, and uh, Huffington Post. All three of those are his websites. Wow,
1: he's just all over the map, isn't he? <laughs> yep.
0: Uh, additionally, he runs uh, the Idlehead of Diablo, uh, which is Idlehead.blogspot.com, which is a Hunter blog. Which is he just run- as
1: factually correct as Fox News and HuffingtonPost.com.
0: So. Absolutely, yeah. He runs... Uh, DCBloodlines.blogspot.com, which covers a variety of characters he runs. The Atom blog, which is Power of the, the – Frank didn't list any of this, so this, I'm doing this off the top of my head, folks. In fact, he called all the other people whores for uh, sharing their stuff. Anyway, uh, Power of the Atom, which I think is Mighty Might maybe.blogspot.com. I don't know. I could have that confused with the old guy who used to do that. Anyway, he does a Wonder Woman site called the new Wonder Woman.blogspot.com or new Diana Prince whatever you know what go to go to Idlehead. all right go You'll to Idle. yeah just yeah go to idol-head blogspot.com on the right hand side there are a million things he does he does a a site about softcore porn called nurg uh, which probably just got more hits than all the other blogs put together thanks to that comment from me and uh he's got a lot of great stuff the guy is an amazing blogger real dick but a real great blogger <laughs> so uh, <laughs> he wrote it <laughs> wow Love this guy. (laughs) He's currently emailing me. He's got me on some nasty 20 questions thing. He won't tell me. He's trying to befuddle me in email right now, so I'm going after him. He says, for Marsha Manhunter, I submit Joe Serta as an unsung hero. Like Paul Norris, he's a consistent footnote as a co-creator, but that neglects to... To acknowledge that he penciled and inked all 132 John Jones, the Martin Man- Mar- Manhunter for Mars stories that's, published across 13 years.
1: That's back when artists really had runs. You know, nowadays they do four, four issues. We're like, yay! Break out the trade paperback. <laughs>
0: His initial work fit the D.C. Frigidaire house style of slick, <laughs> professional product bereft of distinct personality. <laughs> However, lacking the idiosyncrasies of Kurt Swan or Dick Sprang meant that the strip was consistently clean and accessible, with clear storytelling and some lush inks, especially on the faces. That's pretty cool. Uh, Luke came back and also commented later that he appreciated those shout-outs to Joe Serta. He said, uh, talking about the Philippine invasion, he said, I think it's painting with a broad brush to say the Philippine invasion was DC-centric. Ernie Chang was the most prolific, was most prolific in Marvel, and other Filipino artists got plenty of work there, but tended towards black and white magazines or specific titles. They were all over Conan, Crawl, Dracula, Hulk, Planet of the Apes, and Tarzan. Jerry Tal- Talok was definitely more of a Marvel man. Nestor Renando worked on Uhatmu, Alfred Alcala did Dazzler and Man-Thing, while Tony DeZuniga spent a lot of time on Thor, Doctor Strange, Secret Defenders, The Nom, and New Universe titles. Alex Nino mostly worked at Warren. Why, we never mentioned Warren Publishing. That's interesting. No,
1: we, I'd love to do something on them because I love those guys.
0: I really like most of the guys, but not Romeo Tengal. Uh, though their more static illustrative learnings made them better as inkers on American comics, the Filipino style also became heavily associated with the 1970s and somewhat the Neil Adams School, so that contributed to their fall from favor. Huh. Uh, let's see. Uh, Frank. He wrote a, a a treatise throughout here. Um, but no, just, I'm kidding. Frank is one of our most prolific commenters. And, guys, you really should go out to our blogs and check out Frank's comments. They, they're they literally like a companion to our show. They're amazing. It's all kidding aside, he's a huge contributor to the show, and we sincerely appreciate it. And I think I have met my quota for 2014 of saying nice things about him, so I think <laughs> I'm good there.
1: He really On would our... probably, like, the annotated fire
0: and water transcripts. He would be the guy to do it. Oh, that would be awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know some guys in publishing. That'd be cool. All right. Uh, on our DC Comics Presents episodes, he said, "I haven't read the issue in question." Uh, I think this is talking about the Firestorm one. Uh, yeah, he said, I haven't read the. Okay, this is a callback. In when we did the Firestorm issue, DC Comics Presents, Superman said this really weird line about super about Wonder Woman, about why he oh, couldn't right. help. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, and I read it as like a weird sexist comment, like a knock on Wonder Woman, but. what he said is, I haven't read the issue in question, but as I bet, I can follow the context amidst the banter. Superman's line about Wonder Woman being a greater help to Killer Frost than himself was probably a reference to Transformation Island, also known as Reform Island. This was a secluded detention facility where the Amazons rehabilitated criminals through education, psychiatry, namby-pamby, illiberalism, (laughs) with very little respectable success rate. Again, Firestorm co-creator Jerry Conway had been writing Wonder Woman for a few years by this point in the Bronze Age. Shag. That's a little dig at me for I always pick on him. So uh about one of the bronze age because nobody was reading it. <laughs> Let's see. Uh,
1: he made a comment about he's like commend shag on, for his attempts to wrangle the red box account as a secondary sponsor. Lucky strike can't make up too much of your billings or else we'll end up in bed with Teddy Teddy Chow. Uh, wait, what's a red tube? Isn't that how you milk a dog? I don't know half of what he's talking about, but I did appreciate the Mad Men reference, so that's why I wanted oh, to good
0: be. Lord. Uh, we are going to do one more comment from Rob, and then I, I'm from Frank, and then I'm going to read some uh, podcasts that gave us shout-outs, and I think we're going to call it a day here, folks, because we are really up against the time. He says, uh, I'll give DC props on its Western titles, as Marvels were exactly as Rob described, lame superhero formula plots on horseback. Marvel westerns were for hacks and toiling fan pros. DC creators had an appreciation of and an affinity for the genre on its own terms. On the other hand, DC was turning out hokey EC lifts with neophytes, while Marvel melodrama made their horror titles much more of their time. Give me Wolfman and Colin's Dark Shadows, or Lon Chaney Jr. Overdrive, or Morbius, the pseudoscience blood whiner, Over a host of disposable DC anthology shorts best described as better than the Carlton Gold Key ones.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, Frank's totally right about that. Marvel did better horror. DC did better western. I'd say that's completely accurate.
0: All right. Uh, I want to say thanks to a few folks who uh, were kind enough to shout us out on either their blogs or their podcasts or whatever. Uh, J. David Weeder. Mentioned us over on his Dave's Daredevil podcast. Thank you very much for that. you got to check that out, guys. That is That, that thing is burning up my earbuds. Uh, it's daredevilpodcast.com. Absolutely love it. Corey Hodgson mentioned us on his show, Maybe I'll Be Back, which is funny. The whole bit about that is... And Rob, you've probably experienced this. You're an artist, like at a convention, and someone looks at your stuff, and they go, "Well, uh, maybe I'll be back." And they go walk off and go look around the show. I have been on
1: both sides of that dynamic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he did an episode with Ryan Wing, and they mentioned us. You can find that at Maybe I'll Be Back. Dot Podbean. Dot uh, It's a fun show. Uh, Wasteoid, who's cr- named Chris, we mentioned him earlier. He mentioned us on his show, Geek Brunch Podcast. Uh, You can find that at geekbrunchpodcast.com. Our buddy Kelson over at Speed Force gave us a shout-out. Thank you for that. Gene Hendricks was incredibly kind and gave us lots of accolades over on his Hammer Strikes uh, site. We talked about that earlier. That's the one where I can't say Thor's hammer, so whatever. uh, Tim Wallace gave us a shout out over on his blog, court Industries.blogspot.com. Thank you very much. And Justin Barlow gave us a nice shout out over on sympathyforthebluedevil.blogspot.com. <laughs> I love that name.
1: <laughs> I do. I love it.
0: That's a fun site. If you're if you love Blue Devil uh, or even mildly like it, you got to check that out. And then, oh, I do got to read one more comment. I'm sorry. This is it. This is the end. This is the way to go out. Oscar Day over on Facebook said. This Sunday, 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 all has come to this. The Match Heads versus the Aqua Bros Podcast Bowl. You buy the whole ticket, but you'll only need the edge. (laughs) Absolutely love that. Uh, Next time out, folks, when we get a chance to do some listener feedback, we are going to hit all of our friends. Well, we're not going to hit them because that wouldn't be very nice if so they're not our friends. But we'll give shout-outs to all of our friends on Tumblr, Instagram, Google+, Twitter, and Facebook. And let me tell you, folks, there are a bunch of you. So we will be sure to give props to every single person that we can. In the meantime, please go out to AquamanShrine.net and leave lots of comments uh, that are negative towards Rob. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Akamanshrine.net is the place to find all your Aquaman news. Uh, amazing website. And you can find them on Facebook and Twitter as well under the same handle. You can go out to FirestormFan.com and find all your news on Firestorm. And you can find me under the same handle on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google, and Instagram.
1: And if I may work in one more plug for myself uh, Ace Cure Warrior Volume 1 is now available on Comixology. So uh, yes, it is available. It's three ninety nine for like fifty six pages It's the complete season one. You can buy it on Comicsology. Uh, Frank, you're not gonna have to come up with another excuse as to why you're not buying it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I, I have faith in you. So yeah, if you if you uh, wanted to read Ace Kilroy and you just are, are somebody that buys more digital comics, now you can get it on Comicsology, and the other volumes will be coming along later
0: on. That's so cool. Yeah, if you can't get your hands on the treasure edition. Go for digital. That's what I say. <laughs> Do it, man. Do it. Uh, tell them where, where can they email the show, Rob? So they can be on the next listener feedback episode. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: the next overstuffed listener feedback episode. Uh, <laughs> it's Podcast at comcast.net. And the Tumblr is firewaterpodcast.tumblr.com.
0: Awesome. Folks, thanks so much for listening. Uh, remember, this show is all about you guys. You're as an integrable part as Rob or I are. Uh, you're the single best podcast listening community On the planet, and I am thrilled to be part of it. And uh, with that, fan the flame and ride the wave. Bye. Friends forever. Yeah!
1: Tonight, Inflation. A quick introduction.